Before we start with today's message, I wanted to let you know that your time with God doesn't have to end when this devotion does. Oh, it's Pastor Mike, by the way. <laughs> if you still find yourself wanting more great resources that take you deep into God's Word and deeper into the faith that you want, just visit us at timeofgrace.org. However you learn best, I bet we've got something for you. From our sermons, to our video devotions, to written devotions, to books, to blogs, and, of course, to more podcasts. One more time, just visit timeofgrace.org. I'll see you there. You can go right now to timeofgrace.org TV, or you could download the Time of Grace app on all of your devices, or you could check out Time of Grace on your Roku or Apple TV or Android TV or Amazon Fire TV. Wherever you like to watch TV, you can find Time of Grace. We want to make it easier for you to connect with God and his amazing love. So just go to timeofgrace.org TV or search for Time of Grace on your favorite devices. And as long as it's awkward, here's the most awkward part. Do you know who Jesus said in the Bible loved money the most? The people who tithed all the time. The Pharisees would pick herbs from their garden and take 10% and give it to God, and yet Jesus says their hearts were filled with the love of money. I want to talk to you today about you and about God and about money. Yay! I'll preach. <laughs> yeah. So I know that uh, when when a pastor or a church uh, wants to talk about finances and not just faith, when someone gets really personal with what seems like what should be very personal, it can get a bit awkward. Uh, I know lots of you have stories and histories, and lots of churches, unfortunately, have stories and histories of this going totally wrong, and I, I know that we're filming this for TV, and televangelists, and good intentions rarely are put in the same conversation, so I, I, I get that this can be a weird and uncomfortable conversation, but I, I do want to talk to you today about you and God, and about money, and if you're taking notes, I'm going to tell you why right up front. So grab a pen, take out your bulletin, if you're taking notes at home, write this down. Now, I want to talk to you about this topic today. Because money matters. It does. If, if you're a church person or not a church person, a passionate follower of Jesus, kind of skeptic about this whole thing, I, I think you would agree that the way you use money and the way you think about money and your beliefs about money, they matter. And they don't just matter for your credit score. They don't just matter for getting a loan for your home, that just matter for the stress of debt. I, I would post to you that money matters so, so much when it comes to relationships. Right? The way that you and the people in your life think about money or handle money or the things they believe about money, that, that affects, for better and for worse, your closest relationships. Right? You agree with that? Like, when you were a kid growing up, what your mom or dad or both of them thought about money severely affected, for better or worse, the atmosphere of your home. And if you're sitting at the dinner table and God has provided daily bread, he's been good to you, but dad is so stressed about not having enough or paying off the debt, like, that mattered. <laughs> it's the difference between, like, stress and anxiety and fear and celebration and gratitude to God. It, it, it matters. And if you start dating someone, what, what they do with money matters. Right? Have you ever dated someone who 
Like money burns a hole in their pocket and they're spending and they're spending. And then Amazon came out with one click and it got a thousand times worse. You know, they're clicking and clicking and clicking and the debt is growing and growing and growing. They're not thinking or thinking or thinking about tomorrow. They're just spending. And what, what that does to relationship, I mean, how many arguments happen because of money? How many marriages separate, maybe even lead to divorce because of money differences? Like the way you view money, it matters. Someone might spend too much, someone might be too stingy, but money affects our relationships. And according to Jesus, that same dynamic is true with you and and God. Uh, The way you view money can be an amazing way to connect with God and strengthen that relationship, or, or the way you view money can be a thing that messes with the peace and joy and and connection that God wants to have with you. And so I know there's a history there. I know some of you kind of get your, your guard up and your defenses up. But I, I want to talk to you today about you and God and money because when your relationship with God, when it comes to money, it matters. And I want to talk to you about that because money, <laughs> would you agree with this? Your view of money is something that's kind of hard to see. I think a, a person's beliefs about money are kind of like the hair on the back of their head. Is it gray back there? I, I don't picture it as very great, but it, it might be. Like, it's, it's very, this is part of me. It's really close to me, but it's really hard for me to see. It's easy for you to see. It's difficult for me to see. So does a person love money too much? Are they, they trusting in money too much? Do they, they fear not having money too much? That's, that's kind of hard to see in ourselves, which is why today I want to open the word of God and just have a, an honest, humble conversation about you and God and money. And uh, today it's pretty easy to do it because did you know that at least two of the 12 men that Jesus chose to be on his team had serious issues with money? One of them's kind of famous. He loved money so much that he actually sold out the Son of God. He betrayed him. His name was Judas. Today I don't want to talk about that guy, though. I want to talk about this other guy who actually wrote one of the four Gospels in the Bible about a man named Matthew. Turns out Matthew had major issues with money. His his relationship with money was so dysfunctional that he didn't have a functioning relationship with God. And yet Jesus saw this man, he chose this man, he loved this man, and he changed this man, especially when it came to his beliefs about money. So I want to share just a few verses with you from Luke chapter 5. We're going to meet Matthew, who was originally called Levi. And here's how the text begins in verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Um, I think of it this way. Uh, You ever been through one of those highway toll booths? Like before there was the I-Pass and you just zip through at 70-ish miles an hour. (laughs) You know, our toll booths have like a a flat rate. You owe this much if you're a car, this much if you're a truck. Uh, Imagine in the first century if you drive through a toll booth and that person is waiting inside, except it's not a flat rate, they get to look inside your car and name their price. Ooh, how many kids you got back there? Hmm. Is that a cooler I see? Oh, there's a charge for coolers. And you're thinking, what? Is, it, is this how this works? But you couldn't pass go unless you paid the tax collector. And, and so unfortunately, tax collectors being human, sinners being sinners, they often took advantage of their position. They overcharged people. They started to live larger and larger while their neighbors lived smaller and smaller. And so they became hated because of their love of money. Money matters. And tax collectors would ruin their relationship with their neighbors and with God just to get more. 
But one day, our text says, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. He's sitting at his tax booth. He's on the job. And do you know what Jesus says to this man? Look at the end of verse 27. Follow me. Jesus said to him. Jesus invited Matthew to follow him not when he was like five years into his recovery from greed. He sees him, he loves him, and he invites him literally when he is doing the thing that God hates. Isn't that good news? Like, if you right now are sitting in a sinful position, if you have not had a good year or a good week or a good day, if you with your family got into an argument literally in the parking lot of church and you try to put it together and act nice in front of the pastor, like that's, that's what this moment is like. If, if you are still kind of hungover because of last night, if some of you looked at things on your phones before church that you shouldn't have this morning, that's like this moment. And Jesus isn't saying, whoa, whoa, like you're a liability to me. He sees you and me in the midst of our sin and before we're better and before we're sober and before we're generous and before we're obedient and before we've fixed it, Jesus is so compassionate and he's so loving. He sees us sitting at our tax booth and he says, follow me. And guess what he does? Verse 28, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. So we know Levi must be living large, right? Um, A large crowd. So Matthew's there. Matthew's friends are all there. Jesus is there. Jesus' friends are all there. A bunch of, quote, others are there. Even the Pharisees are crashing the party. And where do they all fit? At his house. So he must be living in this huge house. And not only that, it says that Levi held a great banquet. It wasn't bring your own fish and bread. It wasn't like light appetizers or snacks. A great, uh, any of you dads paid for a great wedding banquet recently? <laughs> right? This is costing him serious money and yet he's, he's doing it. He's loving it because there was something about Jesus. But it turns out not everyone at this party wanted to party. Look at verse 30. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Can you imagine if, if, if Jesus takes a, a selfie with the guy with the ankle bracelet? The guy who can't be anywhere near a school? a registered sex offender and and not just anyone, but the one who hurt the innocent victim that you love? What would you say to Jesus? What emoji would you pick to react to that picture? What would you type in the comments section? I mean, I think the Pharisees are logical and not judgmental because their question is, why? Jesus, don't you know about this guy, what we know? Don't you know the people he has robbed and stolen from? He's broken commandments. He's burned every bridge just to get stuff for himself. And now you roll up and eat at his house? Don't you care? 
Jesus' response is brilliant. And when you think about it, he's kind of stuck, right? If he says to the Pharisees, you know what, you, you guys are right. This dude is a scumbag. He has hurt people. That's wrong. I'm not coming anywhere close to you. Well, how can he help real sinners? And if, if he stays with Matthew and he blows up, oh yeah, let you who is without sin cast the first stone. Like, what is he saying to all the victims of Matthew's sin? Well, how is Jesus going to get out of this rock and this hard place? Well, here's his answer. I, I love this. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, the Pharisees, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's so brilliant. Oh, yeah, you Pharisees, you're talking about my friend Matthew? Yeah, you're, you're right. He's sick. Sorry, Matthew. Yeah, and all his friends sitting over here that I've been talking with, teaching, eating with, drinking with, they're, they're sick too. No offense, guys. The, the way they love money, the things they believed about money is sick in the sight of God. It is so bad, it's a disease and it's going to kill them. But Pharisees, where do you expect to find a doctor? Are you scandalized when you see the doctor walking into a hospital? When you're walking past the hallway and there's this really sick dude and the doctor is by his bed, <gasps> what are you doing here, doctor? Do you expect the doctor to make house calls on the healthy? No. You expect to see a doctor and the sick together. So wouldn't you expect to see sinners and a savior together? Why do you think I'm here? Like, these dudes are sick. They're they're missing out on the kingdom of God, on a relationship with God, the way they love money. So what do you Pharisees want me to do? You want me to keep my distance so they die in their sins and go to hell? Because I'll tell you what, that's sick. I have not come to call righteous people. I'm, I'm not here for the good people. I am here for people who need to change their minds, repent, and be saved. I mean, Jesus packs so much tough and so much tender into a single verse. This is so brilliant. Write this down. I think this is the big idea of this story. That greed is a sickness. Jesus himself said it's a sickness. The love of money is a sickness, but Jesus can cure it. Greed is a sickness that Jesus can cure. All right. So, what does that mean for all of us today? Um, where are my tax collectors at here today? Yeah. <laughs> so the Roman Empire, if you're not good at history, is kind of over. <laughs> tax collecting has mostly gone digital. But we still need to talk about, about you and about God and about money because whether you use money to love God or you kind of use God to love money is a, a huge deal in your heart. So... Can I ask you some honest questions? Can we do a little checkup? Are there any symptoms that might reveal a sickness in your heart? Uh, let me ask a, a few questions. Do you ever cross a moral line just to get a little more money? Like, um, 
Have you ever gotten paid in cash? Just because if you report it to the government, you'll have a little less money? Have you ever gotten pulled over by an officer and, and she asks you, do you know how fast you were going? Do you ever give false testimony just to save a little money? And as long as it's awkward right now, let me keep going. Um, do you give generously because you are so grateful for God? Like when God gives you money, whether it's just a couple bucks for babysitting or a part-time job or a full-time salary, I mean, do you just sit down and thank you, God, for giving me this job, this ability, this opportunity, this money, this gift, this inheritance, this bonus, this tax return? How can I say thank you in return, do you think about money that way so you give to the poor like Jesus loves the poor? That you spread the gospel through a church or a ministry like Jesus wants us to spread it? Or are you one of the many people? Are you one of the majority of members at our church who does nothing? Nothing. Not me, not yet, not until I get the phone, not until I get the car, not until I pay for college, not until I pay these bills, not until the down payment, not until I'm making 20K or 40K or 60K or whatever. K. Has, has God literally put you in one of the most prosperous cultures in human history? And you're, you're thinking, not me, not yet. And are some of you right now thinking, oh yeah, the, the pastor's just trying to get my money. If that's what's holding you back, can I ask, do you have any evidence of thinking that about me? Like, have you watched me from a distance, looked at my clothes, the brands, my car, my house, my life, and said, that's a greedy man? If so, please talk to me about that. And if not, why would you slander me, us, just to love your money more? And as long as it's awkward, here's the most awkward part. Do you know who Jesus said in the Bible loved money the most? The people who tithed all the time. The Pharisees would pick herbs from their garden and take 10% and give it to God and yet Jesus says their hearts were filled with the love of money. So you, you might give. <laughs> you might donate to nonprofits, you might donate to the church, but Jesus says, be careful. Are you loving money so much that you worry about money too much? Is God answering the Lord's prayer and providing daily bread, but you don't want daily bread? You want a 10-year retirement plan? Jesus says, be careful. Like, God is so good to you. He provides for you in so many ways, but if you love money too much, you will mess with your relationship with God. A few years ago, before COVID happened, I was on a, a flight from Detroit uh, back to Appleton. And I'm sitting next to this guy. He's really friendly. He's talking about life. And I find out that this guy has a lot of money. I find out he has this pretty big house right on the lakeshore. His, his daughter is a, a doctor. He's a big kind of heavy-hitting job. And I, I didn't say anything about it or... 
have any judgment towards him. But in the middle of the conversation, he kind of stops, you know, this list of impressive things about his life. And he shows me his phone. He had his uh, airline app open, and the, the background color was all gold. Apparently reserved for only gold level members. And you know what this guy says to me? It wasn't worth it. He started thinking about his kids, about his relationships, about his faith. And even though he had so much money, even though he was a gold level status member, even though I was going home to to a medium sized house and he was going home to a mansion, he, he said, Young man, it wasn't worth it. And I think that that's what Jesus is saying to us today. Like, you might think that happiness and joy and, like, the good life is down this path. Don't worry about what the Bible says about money. Just get more and more and save more and spend more and invest more. Jesus says, no, it's not worth it. I'll tell you what's worth it. Following me. Follow me. And I will show you a life that is truly life. If today's message has punched you right in the soul, let me reread to you something Jesus said today. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do you feel the symptoms of the sickness that greed is? Then Jesus is coming for you. 2,000 years ago, he did not come to this earth to make healthy people healthier. He did not come to help silver medalists finally get the gold. He He came to find people who are stuck behind the bars of their own tax booth and set them free. And Jesus is saying to you and to me today, follow me. Matthew, follow me. I'm I'm going there. I'm going to a cross where where I died for all the times that you loved money too much, all all, all the paychecks that you hoarded instead of gave away in gratitude to God. I'm, I'm coming to show you a better way. Watch as I pay the ultimate price to give you the riches of heaven. Watch as I shed my blood to buy you a seat at the table of the greatest feast in all of human history. Follow me, Matthew, and I will show you a better way. And Matthew did. <laughs> and for the rest of his life, do you know the story? He, he went, I think, all the way to India, spreading the good news of the true riches of heaven that we don't earn, we don't work for. It's just a gift that God gives to us. So <laughs> Jesus is saying to you today, if you want to just sit at home, and upgrade your phone for the next 50 years. You do you. (laughs) But if you want something better, if you want riches that this world can't touch, if you don't want to worry about money anymore, if you want a relationship with God, follow me. I've come to change your mind. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, I hope some of you today end up like Zacchaeus. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and saw him. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must Stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, just like they did the first time, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. (laughs) But do you know what Zacchaeus did? Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord Jesus, Look, here and now, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Jesus didn't tell him to, he just wanted to. He says, and I'm not done. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. For Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. And when you, when you see how sick your sin is, 
And then you see Jesus coming in compassion to cure you. There is only one logical response. Here and now, Lord, I give because I know how much you first gave to me. May it happen again among us. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for letting us be here in this time. We can put these words into practice like few people on our planet. Uh, we could have been born in another century, uh, in another culture, and in another country, but we're, we're right here. God, in your providence and wisdom, you let me be born in 1980 America. And you've given me opportunities that 99% of people in human history haven't had. So God, stir my heart to give. Not just out of responsibility, but out of gratitude for all the things that you first gave to me in Jesus. Not for all of us, God. You know, the sermon cuts deep for lots of us. Our, our culture just, it doesn't tell us these things. And so we get, we get caught up in earning and, and making and spending and doing it all over again that we forget. So thank you for speaking tough words to us. More than that, Jesus, thank you for your love for Matthew and Zacchaeus and for us. You're not the kind of God who waits until we're better. You just forgive us up front. So even though there's a big challenge ahead of us, God, we walk out today without guilt and without shame and without condemnation because you love us, you sought us, you saved us, and you forgave us. Uh, Lord, now I, I pray for big things. I've, I've seen that. I've been the recipient of that. When people have, have given in such big ways, I, I still remember them years later. Let's, let's do that. God, we don't need stuff to be happy. We, we need you. And through the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus, we have you. And so I pray today that you would plant the seed deep in our hearts. What Jesus once said, it is more blessed to give. Man, to get stuff feels blessed, but it is more blessed to give. To have a present with our name on us makes us feel blessed, but it is more blessed to give one. Help us to believe that, God, and to behave accordingly. We pray all these things in the mighty, generous, beautiful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Do you find Jesus really interesting but kind of confusing? Maybe today you sense that God is working on your heart and giving you a new excitement about the things of the Christian faith, but you're not quite sure what to do next. If so, you're exactly the kind of person that I wrote this brand new book for called The Basics. Uh, it's not AP Bible, and it's not going to answer every question you have about Christianity, but it's going to get you back to the basics of why Jesus is worth following today and for the rest of your life. If you're interested, just go to timeofgrace.org to download your free copy. Do you ever feel stressed? Do you get easily angered? Do you ever sense that you're insignificant? Do you ever just feel like you're not good enough? Amazingly, Jesus isn't going to let any of that stop him from choosing you. From the very beginning in the Bible, God loved to pick the most unlikely people, the greedy and stressed, the proud, the sinful, and the broken. Jesus choosing them was his way of saying to you, you know that God loves you, right? In my new book by that same title, You Know God Loves You, Right? I dive back into the Gospels to show how Jesus picked specific people that had no right to follow him and yet he chose them. It's not just about what you've done, it's about what God can do through you. And even better, it's about how God loves you. Each and every one of you. You Know God Loves You, Right? is our way of thanking you for your financial support to encourage more people that God has a place and purpose for them too. Request yours today by calling 
800-661-3311. Visit timeofgrace.org or write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201. Time of Grace doesn't end here. Visit timeofgrace.org and explore encouraging resources or sign up for our daily email and have everything delivered right to your inbox. Like our Grace Moments devotions, Grace Talks devotional videos, blog, and podcasts. Follow us on social media where you'll find a supportive Christian community. If you need prayer, give us a call and let us know what's on your heart. Thank you so much for your support. See you next week on Time of Grace.